This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This podcast is sponsored by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 5000 is the latest digital autopilot providing increased safety plus decreased pilot workload. It's being certified for Part 23 and Part 25 retrofit aircraft such as high-performance turboprop and turbine jet aircraft. To learn more about the STEC 5000, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. Hello, aviators. Welcome to the Flight Time series by Hangar Talk and Flight Training Magazine, where we bring you the exciting world of aviation. Each show, we will revisit a popular Hangar Talk interview for the flight training audience. I'm Jennifer Nahn, Senior Manager of Media Relations and Public Affairs at AOPA. This episode, we speak with instructor Jason Miller. Jason is a flight instructor based in California and creator of The Finer Points, a popular podcast and web-based flight training resource. AOPA technical editor Jill Tallman caught up with Jason to discuss how to expand your flying horizons and their shared experience on Jason's mountain flying introduction course. You can find out more at learnthefinerpoints.com. Flight time is brought to you by AOPA. Go to aopa.org for more, and if you're not a member, make sure to push that join button while you're there. If you like the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. All right, Jill, take it away. Why don't we start by um, having you tell the folks at home a little bit about you? Um, yeah, sure. I am uh, you know, a full-time flight instructor. I've been teaching flying full-time here in the Bay Area for just about the last 20 years. And I realized pretty early on in my career that I love to teach, that for me, teaching is really where it's at. I mean, obviously, I love to fly, but there's so many places you can go in flying from airlines to cargo to corporate to whatever. And, and for me, it was really about helping people understand the thing and mm-hmm. refining the art of teaching it. Um, I love people and, and I love to spend time with people. I love helping them figure out problems. Um, and so really that's been my journey, just kind of refining the art of flight instruction and trying to figure out, you know, people sometimes ask me, how can you teach the same stuff over and over again? And my feeling is like, is it really the same? You know, we're, we're always making it different. We're always making it better. And every individual is a unique person. So absolutely. Yeah. And that's really gone into, um, you know, some of like the podcast and uh, working for AOPA and their safety Institute mm-hmm. and um, doing a lot of local safety seminars and stuff like that. Obviously teaching full time. I've got a load of about nine students at any given time. And um, and the mountain trip that you came on and some of these like, you know, really getting people out into uh, different flying adventures and trying to really raise the bar there, too. 
Yeah, so you and I got to do some really cool flying this past August. It's certainly unlike anything that I have ever done as a flatlander. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, that's that's that was part of the vision of the course, too, was to kind of make it a one-price-fits-all thing and squeeze it into two days so that we might get people flying out for the weekend from, and we've had people from Ohio, Milwaukee, Ontario, you know, um, you came out from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So, so really, people are coming from all over. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I, th- I figured it would be, you know, strictly uh, people from California, but we had people there from Minnesota, um, actually from Canada, and, and me, myself, from Maryland. So we had a really nice mix of people who um, this was their completely first encounter with this kind of uh, flying. Yeah, that's really great. And do you feel like, do you feel now that if you were to, you know, take your plane and want to fly out to Denver or, the front, or, you know, get up into the mountains again, do you feel more confident after having taken the course? Absolutely. Um, I would certainly want to sit down and do some real good flight planning before I did that on my own. But the knowledge that I gained was immense, you know, particularly just um, from the whole aspect of um, leading the mixture. You know, I'm one of these fat, dumb and happy pilots that just throws it, you know, I lean it on the ground to make sure that the uh, spark plugs are not fouled during the year. But I tend to run full boat, you know, and so this was a really good um, introduction to to actually managing the engine and and the propeller. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always a surprise. <laughs> you know, even I mean, just you know, the first time you go up to like eight or nine thousand feet, you know, students are always like, "Really, it can come back that far?" <laughs> you know, but but to do it on the ground before you take off, that's a whole different that's a whole different feeling. That's yeah. that's true. When did you start doing these mountain flyouts? Um, boy, I don't know the exact year because um, they really evolved. Like, you know, I've done a lot of them for other organizations like the San Carlos Flight Center or different flight schools throughout in the Bay Area, even before the flight center existed. Just, you know, people would say, hey, we're putting a group together. We're going out to Idaho. We're going to Colorado. We're going to Seattle. Um, and so I was doing a lot of instruction. And then I just in, in the loose format of all that, I just saw a lot of opportunity to improve it. You know, I mean, nobody was really designing the course. It was just a lot of pilots going to get an experience. And if the CFI in your plane was good, then you're going to learn something. If not, you won't, <laughs> you know, or you'll, you know, learn it on your own. Sure. So, you know, so I, we, I just, after doing so many of those, um, and then really meeting Howard Donner as my partner in these and watching what he does for doctors, um, not related to flying, Um, I just saw an opportunity to kind of marry those two things together, you know, get some of his resources in terms of the outfitters and the people are going to come out and provide food Mm -hmm. and and that kind of stuff. And then really just, you know, forget all the casinos and stuff like that, because a lot of the trips, you know, after you land, everyone just goes to the restaurant and then to the bar and then wherever, you know. No, no, no. no. This was much better. Um, I have no desire to go to the the casinos. I mean, when when you got all that beautiful country to see and uh, why would you want to spend one minute inside of a casino? I agree completely. <laughs> so, yeah, and then I, and I really think there's an educational thing too. The first time you sleep out in those trees, you know, you think about it. The next time you fly over them, especially in the winter, and you're looking down and seeing that snow, you remember, you know, what your toes felt like at four in the morning. Exactly. Um, yeah. I I did not pack enough warm clothes. Uh, <laughs> I tend oh boy. <laughs> I tend to, I tend to think of Maryland in the summer in August, and I one night I put on everything I brought <laughs> just oh, so yeah. I could sleep but I had a good I had the tent I had the good sleeping bag so it was all good but um you know that 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 camping aspect was was uh was great fun yeah it is fun and I think yeah that is a surprise I mean I would say like 
boy, at night, it must feel like like mid to late October in Maryland. You know, I mean, yes. it gets down. It gets cold. Yes. Yeah. But it just made you appreciate the coffee the next morning all the more, boy. <laughs> yeah, there is that kind of Boy Scouts feel to it all, or Girl Scouts feel. You know? There is, but you know, I'm I'm not um, I'm not a, a fan of camping. But you know, the, mm-hmm. the nice people you had um, fixing meals, they they made it quite worthwhile. Yeah, you know, there and that's like um, that's Bobo, and they're really professional outfitters, and um, they have land in Chile and. They work with Howard and all these, you know, uh, on these river trips and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. when they're not here, they're leading expeditions in South America. So they're really like it's what they do. They're professionals at it. Right. And they make it look they make it look easy. But we've tried other people in the past, and believe me, that they're really good. They have it down to the science. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And and Howard's uh, presentations were phenomenal. I think he was a great pick for you to partner with. Yeah, he's he's a real one of a kind teacher. You know, he I think he, like myself, just really loves the art of teaching. And uh, he's he's really sought after. I mean, he leads uh, sailing trips to Fiji uh, through the Mediterranean. He does treks in Nepal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's just all over the all over the world doing this stuff. It's really what he's dedicated his life to. And he's a, a commercial pilot. So he started listening to the podcast. And that's how we met. Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was uh, he called me one day and said, I love your podcast. And that's how we met. He um, he did mention that you know he 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 teaches survival skills to doctors and um, he he will take a week to do that and um, so we didn't have a week obviously but uh, the information that he provided was was really good really salient um, and really thought provoking uh, especially you know uh, he was talking about um, about packing dog food and, and guinea pig food um, so that you don't eat it so you're not tempted to eat it if you should be downed and you know have to wait for assistance and not be tempted to eat it right away and I so I put that in the article and some one of the editors wrote is this a joke and I was like I'm pretty sure no it was not a joke yeah no it's not it's actually one of those things that's born of experience and the first time Howard told that to me I just laughed because he's right I think I've eaten every power bar I've ever (laughs) stashed in my in my survival kit at one point or another you know so it's just a practical matter Um, and and I think you're right it's really the I mean, you know, all we can do in two days is, you know, we can teach some skills. We can, you know, send everybody out the survival kit. But I think even just provoking that thought is important. And uh, this winter, after our after the trip you came on, we lost another pilot right up where we were camping. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, in Desolation Wilderness. And he was trying to sneak through there in, the, in low clouds. And he'd oh. done it 100 times before and blah, blah, blah. But he, he survived the crash. Mm. And ended up dying with the plane because he had no flight plan, uh. no survival kit, you know. So, you know, even if we can just get people to think about it a little differently um, and just get started on that journey toward <laughs> being a more conscientious planner, that, that would be a success. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, it's just not a part of the country to mess around with. Um, I was a more than a little intimidated as we were flying through there um, because that's how my mind works. It's, it's like, well, where would I go? Where would I land? And they're just don't seem to be that many places but I guess as you become more comfortable with that area you start looking and developing a feel for where you might be able to land yeah that's true it's true and um you know like any any kind of flying you know the more you do it um so certainly when we're up there looking down on some of those meadows I mean I feel comfortable Mm -hmm. you know that we could glide into one of those but there are definitely points where there is there isn't an out and 
Um, you know, I'm always teaching pilots to be aware of your outs. And even when you don't have one, because it's not often very long, but for 15 or 20 seconds, you might say to yourself, you know, for this 15 or 20 seconds, I'm not going to have an out. And is that okay? Right. Just being aware of it, I think is step one. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I remember you talking about how you, um, you took a flight early, earlier, much earlier in your flying career. And I think you were in a diamond. All of a sudden you started thinking about what would happen. Yeah, I mean, boy, not just one. <laughs> there have been a few of those. But I think the flight you may be thinking of was, um, uh, I may have talked about it in, in terms of contingency planning. Right. Because I remember I remember being over the desert, very, very remote. Um, it was 2004, maybe something like mm-hmm. that. So you just have to imagine back to when cell, cell towers were not so prevalent or everywhere. Right. Um, there was no cell service. And I was feeling really proud of myself looking down saying, I could land this thing anywhere if my engine fails. And that's when I realized I had barely any water at all. And then I started, you know, I started to really think that through no flight plan, no cell phone, no water, the desert, who cares about a good landing, you know? Right. Um, And so really just trying to get real about the contingency planning. What am I flying over and what are my real options in the event of, you know, something going wrong? Mm -hmm. When you take these kinds of trips, um, obviously you're dealing with pilots who are looking for this kind of challenge. What do they lack about flying in this part of the country? You know, it's not it's not that complicated, you know, what they lack, what mm-hmm. they need to learn. You know, I think, you, you know, you were there. So in two days, we try to give everybody a broad overview of what you need to learn and understand. But I think it's just helping people do that. You know, it's like getting a local checkout. You know, if you go to a new city you've never been to, you, you, you can make the step of, say, calling a local flight school, finding a CFI, even on the phone and just saying, hey, is there anything I should know? before I come down there and fly through Miami or or whatever it is, you know, and that's probably a wise thing to do. And so I would say like a course like this is, or, you know, something like this is, is a very, very wise step. If you're going to come fly over the mountains, could you read a book? Could you kind of figure it out, plan conservatively? Maybe, probably, you know, I don't know, but the wise step would be to come and get some local education, um, talk to the people who know what's going on out there. You know, we know that we lost a plane this winter. We can talk to you about what happened and why it went down and that kind of stuff. And right. if, you know, if people aren't taking a moment to really go a little deeper there, then, you know, they could be asking for trouble. Right. Um, you had some really great CFIs on the trip, um, including uh, Sarah, who is a experienced CFI and also is a native or is a resident of, of the Truckee area. So she knows the area really well. Yeah, Sarah's uh, something else. But and, and you're right, We uh, that has been honestly a surprise to me and one of my biggest joys of this whole uh, trip experience, putting these things together, is that just having taught in the Bay Area for so long, when somebody calls me and says, hi, my name is so-and-so and I fly a Cessna 185, you know, I'm thinking about doing your course, immediately I know who they should be with. <laughs> I just think, you know, even if I haven't talked to that person in four years, I'll, like Mike Corklin, for example, who was our Bonanza instructor, I mean, right. Mike must have 10,000 hours in Bonanzas alone, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, the guy's like the Bonanza guy, right? right? And so when we found out we had a client with an A36, I called Mike, I hadn't talked to him in years, and I said, what are you doing this summer? You know, I, I have this great trip, I want you to come on um and sarah too you know she's like howard she's a true adventurer when she's not flying in Truckee, she's leading ski trips to antarctica she's doing ice axe climbing you know i mean she's a real she's a real adventurer wow and and um uh, and mike you mentioned mike and he actually gave you your mountain checkout isn't that right yeah yeah so that was so much fun to have him up there but yeah he did he was one of my mentors um, and then he went to work for Japan Airlines, and he was teaching a lot all those guys to fly mm-hmm. in A36s, which was kind of how he got all that time. 
but yeah, he's, you know, he, like myself, he's been a role model. He's a career flight instructor and just one of these um, gems of a person that you'll find who knows so much about so many things. Yeah. I always learn from Mike. He's always in good spirits. And it was so much fun for me to have him on the trip because you're right. He was my, he was my instructor. Yeah, so. absolutely. And yeah. Just, uh, just top notch personnel on the trip. You know, we almost, we had kind of a little adventure um, coming out of the Bay Area on top of the rest of our adventurous weekend. Um, for, <laughs> for, for pilots who are not familiar with flying in that airspace, it, it really takes things up a notch. It's interesting, yeah. You know, that one I need to probably spend some time thinking about because you're not the only one to say that. And, and I think that was a little lost on me because I fly out of San Carlos every day. And it's been a bit of a surprise to see how much that is. Um, but maybe we'll spend a little bit more time talking about it before we go so it's not so overwhelming. <laughs> um, was it just like a total blur getting out of there to you? It was. And I've actually had, had flown and um, done like a San Francisco tour like two years earlier. And I was, I guess I just kind of blanked it out of my memory as to, you know, the, the rapid fire controllers. Um, you know, I knew that you kind of have to fly right under the route for the, the airplanes coming into San Francisco International. But man. <laughs> yeah yeah right no i know it's a lot i mean you're coming out of a class delta you're underneath bravo mm -hmm. and you're headed to go in between two different charlies and under the bravo i mean it's pretty it's pretty intense sure but yeah often we just kind of uh, deal with it as we go with the students and maybe it's worth taking a moment and discussing <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll make a note of that Jill. Yeah. <laughs> perhaps in the briefing who knows yeah um, right we, but that's yeah. that's one you know that's one good reason to have you know one of your great cfis in the right seat because you know nothing's going to happen but um it was it was uh, quite eye-opening so, yeah so talk a little bit about um you've got a, another mountain flying trip coming up in 2017 yeah we're hoping to run three of them this year um you know we're not exactly sure we don't we have the first one again in june um we always do a june and an august but we're going to try to add a july and um the first one is is just about half full so far so okay. you know the, spot, the, the spots are, are selling which is great we're looking also at the possibility of opening up a couple more. We don't have any firm plans yet. I mean, a couple different kinds of trips, like maybe one to the, you know, go see the canyons of the Southwest mm -hmm. and perhaps one up into the Channel or the San Juan Islands and the Pacific Northwest. That, um, and, that one is the one that I'm sort of psyched about. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Well, they're, they're definitely in the queue uh, and we're doing the research we need to do now. I mean, I think our mentality is let's, let's continue to perfect the, the mountain trip mm -hmm. and then let's try to kind of stamp out that model and you know sometimes it's tricky like we have to pick places that have very predictable weather yeah um you know it, it would be my dream to do one around the great lakes but it's very difficult i've looked at it so many times to try I, to figure out how to get it done i don't know how you would do it honestly. it's hard yeah, yeah it's hard but anyway you know the desert and the, and the pacific northwest for a week or two are pretty predictable so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thank goodness for that <laughs> right right um and by the way i'm sure you guys will have this but um when those trips, you know, get get launched, all that information will be at adventure.learnthefinerpoints.com, which is, you know, our website's learnthefinerpoints.com. So there'll be a link to all the adventure stuff there. Oh, good. Thank you for reminding me Did of that. Did you want me to say anything about Steve and the videos? I would love that. So, yeah, in 2014, Steve Thorne and the Flight Chops crew came out <clears throat> and... Um, and did the trip with us and they ended up getting like 10 or 11 videos, which are all on their YouTube channel. I think you have to kind of go down the middle of the page. It says mountain flying. 
Um, but they did such a great job. I mean, I mean, I called Steve like after I saw a few of them and I'm like, man, you're giving away the store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, because really it's the closest thing to actually being on the trip. It was just really fun to watch them work. It's not just Steve. It's Steve and, and two other people on his crew, and they're all professionals. Um, and, you know, uh, James, his director, was able to get really the best performances out of Howard and out of myself without making us feel like there's a camera in our face. And, yeah, no kidding. Uh, he's, he's got a lot of really good stuff, and that's a big part of the reason why we're getting people from the Midwest and the East Coast and Canada, you know, so. I had more than one on. person say that they had seen it on Flight Chops, and so if you were worried about him giving away the store, I don't think you have any worries because I think, yeah. you know, Steve, Steve just made people just lit a fire under people, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I get that, and, and that's great. So, so hopefully, yeah, when we launch the other ones, they'll come on those as well, and, and we'll just keep, keep it going. Can't wait to see that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, thanks, Jill. I appreciate thank you, uh, being Jason. on the podcast. Oh, yeah, thank you so much. And, and I really appreciate it for both you guys uh, for doing this whole thing. Oh, no. To, for agreeing to come along. Oh, my gosh. The trip and the article, the whole thing. It's really oh, great. well, thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I, I wasn't kidding when I said it was unlike anything I've, any kind of flying I've done. And my daughter, who loves to travel, was like beside herself when she was looking at the pictures. And she was just like, I want you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well. All right. Well, you have a great day. And I hope to talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Jill. You too. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.